Sustainable fashion isn't just about the fabrics and resources that go into the garments, but the style and timelessness of the garments themselves. The element of designing for longevity is one that Melbourne-based designer Lois McGrew-Fraser had in mind when creating her Ethical Clothing Australia accredited brand, Lois Hazel. Lois Hazel is a women's wear label based in Melbourne that has a relaxed and casual aesthetic to its quality Australian-made pieces, influenced by Lois's personal style and desire to wear comfortable clothing. Today, I'll be talking to Lois about her timeless style, why sustainability matters, and her advice for new designers who want to do things the right way. I'm Brittany Dreghorn. I'm the founder and editor at Britslist, an online publication dedicated to telling the stories of ethical and sustainable Australian fashion brands. And this is The Quick Unpick. Thank you for joining me on the Quick Unpick podcast. Oh, it's so nice to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So where are you joining us from today? Um, I am in Victoria, Melbourne, um, in my studio in Brunswick. And what does that look like for everyone listening at home? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I am in a big warehouse. Um, I have a private studio in a warehouse. And so um, it's not a huge my space. I've got a kind of a beautiful big cutting table, my machines, my desk and all this, um, the kind of, I guess, my, my clothes, which is my business, um, are here as well. So it's a, it's a cute little space. It's actually the first studio space that I've ever had just to myself. I've normally worked in open shared spaces. So it's been fantastic because... I can kind of make a mess and not be too worried about it upsetting anybody or, but um, no, and I can kind of set it up how I like and I've got some beautiful plants and artwork starting to kind of come up on the walls. So yeah, I love it here. And when you said you've got your clothes, you're talking about your label, Lois Hazel. Um, so yes. if we go back to the beginning, um, you started that after you studied, but you didn't study fashion, did you? No, I did. I did. I did a Bachelor of Design in fashion. So mm-hmm. it was a, a four-year course at RMIT. And um, yeah, it was, I'm so glad I did it. I never, I wasn't one who, I think I was never someone who, you know, was like knew what they wanted to do. Um, and I think it was, a, it was actually a friend of mine who wanted to be the fashion designer and she pulled me across to do like this extra curriculum um, sewing course in like year 10, year 11 in, in high school. And I really, really enjoyed it. And so I think when it came time to apply for university degrees, I was like, well, I enjoy sewing. And I was always creative and I didn't really think career more that far in the future. I was more just like, what do I enjoy doing? And um, yeah, I got into the RMIT course and I kind of just went with it. Incredible. And here you are today. And then so, I mean, yeah. there's a big difference between studying fashion and actually starting a full-blown label that turns out to be what it is. What inspired you to start Lois Hazel, the label that we know now? So after I graduated, I mean, during my study, like I talked to people about the idea of starting a brand. Like we all threw around the idea and what we'd call it and stuff. And so I think, you know, I thought, oh, if I start a brand, I'll call it Lois Hazel. But it was never really something that I was like determined, like set to do. And and I was really, really lucky after I graduated. I got some amazing opportunities to go overseas. So I spent about um, 10 months in Europe and, you know, I left for, I, I had won an award, which saw me study in Paris for a month. And then I got an internship in Amsterdam and 
through that a whole bunch of other kind of little projects emerge and I started applying for jobs and I was really like setting myself up to kind of stay over there and get involved in the industry um but my partner was still here in Australia and again we were like we're like we'll move to London together because he was studying acting at the time and then kind of reality of me applying for jobs and I think just the jobs that were available I was like I'm not interested in these they were all very technical based like I'd just be kind of sitting behind a computer all the time and I was like that I want to be creative like I want to be getting my hands dirty um, and really involved in the process um, again we had that conversation of well why don't why didn't you come home? And I'd known about this thing called the Nice course, which is kind of like a six-month business course that then supports your business. And, yeah, I thought, all right, we'll come back to Australia and I'll start start my own brand, I think, because, yeah, I just wasn't – there wasn't a job that appealed to me overseas. It's really interesting that you say that because I imagine that when designers think about what the life of a designer is when you study fashion mm. is all mm. of that fun, like designing, but, you know, you looked in those jobs, they were more, you know, sitting behind a computer. That's probably not yeah. the <laughs> No, no. And I mean, I think for some people they thrive of it. And, and I think for me, I just, I think after interning for other people, I kind of just, just I just didn't feel the passion to work for other people the same I felt to work for myself not that I knew what it would look like working for myself but I just like I loved the internships I had the opportunity to do but um and one of them I you know I went with the intent of trying to get a job with that company but the more I was there I kind of just like I just felt like it was this black hole just just keep working so hard for not much in return and I think you know if I'm going to work my butt off I'd rather do it something that I'm really passionate about and that has the values that I hold personally so yeah, wow. Well, Lois Hazel definitely has those. Um, just like Lois Hazel, is Hazel your middle name? Yes, it is. I thought that was your real name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I had on my brand review of yours on Brits List for like two years. Um, oh, yeah. Though I just corrected that recently. So that's good to know. <laughs> Um, so you started this incredible label at what stage did you decide you would start making your clothes in Australia and what was the driving force I think from the beginning um so when I kind of started the brand the one thing that I wanted to ensure was that if that my clothes were going to be made fairly and ethically like there was no way I was going to send them offshore if I was not able to be there myself and that was something that I've always said if I ever go offshore I want to either have someone who I can trust or I'm there myself. I want to have a personal relationship with everyone who makes my clothes because I think they're so overlooked in this industry and it's so easy to kind of just forget that that there are people involved. So there was no questions that I was going to start something that was going to be made locally. Um, and I think also the fact that the way I've run this brand is it hasn't started from being huge. Like it's really taken a long time to grow and it's still got a lot of growing to go through. But um, the good thing about getting produced locally too is that um, – they're willing to work with you. You know, they're really willing to kind of help you. Um, the minimums are very easily negotiable. You know, obviously prices change and all that stuff, but I just feel like there's such a community here who want to keep production in Australia. And and if they see you're interested in that, you're honestly, you know, investing in them as much as they'll invest in you. So, yeah, I never question about not getting things made locally. That's an interesting point that they um, actually have those reasonable quantities because I can imagine when you do manufacture offshore, there is some of those like mass quantities that are required. Mm, mm. Yeah, interesting. So your manufacturing setup, Mm -hmm. what does that look like from design through to dispatch? Mm -hmm. 
So everything design and sampling is done in the studio, most often by myself. I'm kind of getting to that stage now where I'm like, oh, I really could use a hand, um, especially with like pattern making and stuff. I'm, I'm very, I mean, I can definitely pattern make. It's basic, I say, but it gets me through. But um, yes, yeah, so all the development is done in the studio, the sampling. And then recently I've been really lucky that, you know, my orders have been big enough to do majority of production now at the factory. So I work with a beautiful factory up the road called CGT. It's a family-run factory. And um, they're just incredible. They're such great people to work with. And so, yeah, they'll produce the range and then it gets delivered here. We'll do quality control, tagging everything. And then, yeah, pack, sending it off to the wholesalers and then it'll be uploaded online and into the world (laughs) incredible um and so in terms of that that's funny because you know you hear about the nightmares with offshore manufacturing Mm. and you get your big box of stock and there's heaps of problems with it you know because of the um not having that quality control on the ground Mm. so that's another thing which I guess comes into the um the ethics of it but then the sustainability well at least I've got all of these clothes that can be sold because sometimes definitely yeah and if there's an issue I like they're literally up the road I can just jump in the car drive up there like they'll call me and be like we've got an issue can you come and check it out and often it'll be like oh no it's fine or you know and this yeah it's so easy like I think about the idea of opening up a bag a box of stock and it being wrong and I'd just be like what that can run a business to the ground so (sighs) and you know as much as they, they, they're, it's, you know, as much as my product is my product, while it's at the factory, that's their product and they want to make sure that their product is at the highest standard possible. So they're so invested in it as well. And if there's any mistakes, they were like, please let us know. Like, we'll fix it kind of thing. Um, I think there was, you know, I'm such a do-it-myself kind of person. I think one time um, something came back and it wasn't right and I just ended up fixing it myself and I told them and he kind of told me off. He's like, don't do that. <laughs> it's like, you need to tell us these things. Like, that's why we're here. And I was like, okay. So it's been really great working with them. And so you just talked about one of the manufacturers you work with. Is that there's just one that you work with? You don't um, outsource any of the other um, parts of your manufacturing? No, currently. I mean, I do. There's a guy up in Coburg who helps me out with my grading. So that's like I make the pattern, I'll send him the pattern, and he'll create the size nest um, for that pattern. Because obviously, I only sample in one size, and then he'll go and create and turn that pattern into like size 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. And then he'll help me create the markers, which is like a a lay of how the fabric will, the patterns for the garment will be cut out to kind of help with the cutters at the factory but currently they're the only two in terms of production that I'm working with um yeah I'm really lucky that I don't have to kind of split and deal with a hundred different people so it's mm. really straightforward which makes it a lot easier for me fairly streamlined when it comes Fair, to the manufacturing yeah. which is great for mm. quality control I can imagine mm. Um, so talking a little bit there about sustainability in terms of not getting a heap of stock that, you know, is potentially not able to be sold. I mean, mm. sustainability is really important to you as a designer, mm. I know, mm. um, as it should be with all designers. How do you minimise your impact with Lois Hazel? Um, so many little ways. And again, so much more I could be doing. I always try and let people know that, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be perfect, but I think it's more about what you're doing to make sure that, you know, what your values are. And I think that's something that I'm really trying to do is like when I started the brand, my first value was about, you know, um, fair work 
and fair income to those making my clothes. So that was something that I was so focused on and I was able to make sure that was correct. So then it kind of gave me space to then start looking into other elements of the business I can improve, such as fabrics. And I think fabrics, and I didn't really look into fabrics or think much of them when I first started the brand. But again, it's through talking with other people, reading so much um, and understanding the impact of fabric. So I think through using natural fibres and then investing in buying fabrics that has certified or, I mean, I really try and avoid synthetics. The only synthetic that I use is Lycra and I think I use that because I want my jersey to last and that will help with fit in winter for the skivvies and stuff. So I think, okay, that's something that I'm going to allow because I think the quality of that garment will then outlive if they didn't have Lycra. Um, I also think just like, oh, yeah, with all my offcuts, so we teamed up with a company called Man Rags and I send off my offcuts to them. Um, and they use them to recycle um, or like doing upcycling things like hair accessories. Or I think it's just about trying to find different ways to really prevent as much stuff to go in the bin. I have a tiny bin in my studio and it makes me laugh. It does fill up, but it's like it's, it's <laughs> those can't see my hands at the moment. But, you know, it's it's quite a small bin and I laugh sometimes. I'm like, that's it. That's all I've got, you know. And I empty it maybe I don't know, two, three times a week. Um, but if that's all that kind of, you know, I'm letting go into that area makes me feel good. I'm keeping everything else here and trying to really find ways to make sure it isn't going to landfill. Yeah, that is pretty amazing because there is, I mean, I guess all designers would work this out when they start a label. There is just waste at every single stage of the supply chain all the way through to posting your garments off to someone. Um, So I'm sure I know that you're all over that with um, using recycled paper in your um in your packages and Mm. do you use the uh the compostable mailers as well i have started using them um we also use jiffy mailers they're the brown and they're fully um curb recycling and they're actually pad in a padding is like shredded recycled paper um and like there's a great company here in melbourne called print together and they print on like recycled stock and they use like um vegetable-based inks or something I don't know but I read it once and I was like you guys are amazing and so even just working with companies like that you know they always send things in like boxes that they've like hacked up to like you know reuse and stuff so Mm -hmm. that's that's really great but yeah there's so many it's like that's amazing thing I think there's a lot of companies that try and say oh but we where can we what can we do to be more sustainable but there's so many companies out there who are offering solutions and sometimes yeah you might be too small but keep them keep them in your mind so that when you get to a stage where you can start working with a company um yeah you can do it awesome um that leads into my next question which is what advice do you have for new designers in the early stages of starting an ethically accredited label I think values. I think that's been one thing that I did find hard because when I started the brand, I was so focused on one thing. And then kind of when I achieved that, you kind of go, oh, well, what am I doing now? Like, what's the point of this brand? Or, um, and you can, and so many amazing brands out there at the moment. And I think sometimes it's so easy to compare yourself to other brands and be like, oh, they're doing this element better than me. I should do that. But that might not work for you. So I think when you're starting, you really need to figure out why are you starting the brand? What's the foundation that you want to build this brand on? And so then when you grow it, you're going to, it's going to be so strong and it's only going to really get stronger. So I think, yeah, just really sit back and think about, well, what am I doing? What am I trying to offer? What problem am I trying to solve? Um, yeah, I think no longer people should just start because 
they want a fashion brand or because they want to, you know, I don't know. I just think there needs to be a little bit more depth to it. And I think if you have a cause or a value that you're working towards and yeah, it will change and more may come. You might drop off a value because like, doesn't align with me anymore um but yeah I think it still is kind of have a reason as to why you're doing it yeah that's great and I think I mean that's very clear in the Lois Hazel values even in terms of the way you produce your collections the number of collections you know the fabrics you use what you do with the waste so I think that's incredible and it's it sounds like you know you've chosen your values and then everything else falls into line around it mm-hmm So Lois Hazel's production is accredited by Ethical Clothing Australia. Um, How important is this to you and what benefits have you seen from the accreditation? So I've only been accredited, I think it's been a year now. And I remember something that I really wanted when I first started, but I just wasn't there. Like I was kind of like, you know, getting friends to sew stuff up for me at home. And there was just little bits of the business that I felt like I wasn't right yet. And I wasn't able to commit to the orders that I needed to, to go to factories that were so I could go through the auditing process. So I think when I kind of found myself in a position um, that I could get accredited, I was really excited because that was something that I had wanted for a while. And um, I think it's just nice to know that, I mean, I know I'm, I know I'm doing things right. I know I'm never going to take advantage of people. I know the business isn't bad, but I think having that as a backing and having my customer able to see that, hey, look, like we are kind of linked up with this incredible organisation, it gives them a little bit more, um, I guess, yeah, that like knowledge. can't mm-hmm. think of the word. <laughs> reassurance. Yeah, reassurance, that's the one. So I think that's been really beneficial. And, yeah, it does broaden your reach because people go there to, to find brands and it's a simple, easy way to just click Oh, there's Lois Hazel. Oh, yeah, cool. No questions need to be asked. True. And I guess as well, I mean, as a designer, you have so many jobs, you know, like mm. you're a small business owner and a designer. Mm. <laughs> so then to make sure that you're across everything in terms of your producers, um, I mean, I guess it's just a peace of mind in that sense. Mm. Mm, yeah definitely because yeah as a as a small business owner you wear many hats and it could definitely be easy for things to kind of get missed um and yeah would hate for Lois Hayd would be linked up with something that wasn't uh, what I valued it would be devastating so to know that that will definitely not happen with production because yeah the companies I'm working with also kind of believe the same values that I need Yeah, awesome. Um, So how important is maintaining close working relationships with your workers and ensuring that their legal rights are upheld and protected to you? I mean, you've just answered that. (laughs) You're like very important. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't care. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I I mean, I think that goes back to like, I will never want to treat someone um, a way that I would not want to be treated myself. So I think uh, just hand in hand, like, I'm not going to, if, you know, I'm going to pay someone when I need to pay them because if, if I always think if I was in their position and someone wasn't paying me, I'd be, it'd be hard. So I never want to put someone in an uncomfortable position. Definitely. And I guess we, we all know that the people, even in Australia, they're likely to be, um, they can be new migrants or they might be um, vulnerable. And so they don't know what their rights are. So yeah, sometimes it's hard to know, like you don't know what you don't know. So totally. And if you're coming from somewhere where the normal is getting paid 
pittance for mm. hard days work and you come somewhere and you get offered something slightly better mm. but it's still not enough you're going to take it and I have heard stories I've met people who have worked in factories here in Melbourne and they have been paid like two dollars an hour like it does exist here wow. unfortunately yeah um and I think I was even unaware of that because I was like oh, I'm made in Australia everything's good here but um not always so you do have to be careful True. And so what's next for Lois Hazel? I mean, this is such a crazy time. We can't publish this podcast without, um, you know, talking about the fact that you're in the middle of a stage four lockdown and, um, you know, it's amazing that every business, like the businesses that are alive are even alive. Um, But yeah, are you looking to the future to see what's happening in the next sort of six to 12 months? Definitely. I mean, we are launching our summer range next month. Um, it will be split up a little bit differently to how we intended, just with production stopping. Um, so we will be releasing some really beautiful jersey styles mid next month, which I'm super excited about. Um, thankfully, um, we were able to start production prior to lockdown, so I'm pretty sure we'll be able to get them done. Um, and I guess just business growth, like just trying to find different ways to grow the brand, but in a way that's not too chaotically fast. Um, Oh, I don't know. That's probably it, trying to survive and <laughs> not go crazy. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good goal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's weird. It's very weird. We're all, we're all getting a bit itchy feet right now. Like we want to go out and like have a coffee and sit down in a cafe. But hopefully in two and a half weeks we'll be able to. We just have to be patient. Awesome. Well, I think by the time that this is um, being published, yeah, I hope that people are able to listen to it while they're going on their walks and sitting in cafes and hopefully maybe even commuting to work. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. (laughs) Outside of their 5k radius. That's right. Well, Lois, thank you so much for joining me on the Quick Unpick today. You're super inspiring and I know that everyone listening will have got something out of it. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting. You're welcome. The Quick Unpick is brought to you by Ethical Clothing Australia in celebration of the 20th anniversary of their accreditation program and inaugural Ethical Clothing Australia Week. This podcast is produced with assistance from the content division. Music is by Brisbane-based artist Sasha McLeod, also known as Psycho. That's S-Y-C-C-O. Catch the full first season of The Quick Unpick wherever you get your podcasts starting this October.